and welcome to Food, Views, and Big Ideas. I'm Tanya Barr. And I'm Lucy Allen, and this is the podcast from us here at Straight to the Source. In this podcast, we will be introducing you to the people who are driving our food and hospitality industry forward, whether it be on the land, in the water, in the kitchen, or from the boardroom. Each of our guests are playing a significant role in the evolution of Australia's food identity and culture, and we want you to know who they are, their views, and their big ideas. We're coming to you today from Camaragal land, and we'd like to begin by paying our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. And we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today. Hello, I'm Tanya, and today we had a compelling conversation with global executive chef Adam Moore and social media influencer Isaac Martin from Chew Crew Media. Both these guys are chefs who have leveraged social media in a big way to build their profiles and their businesses. In this episode, we dive into the journey of getting started in social media and also the challenges that they've faced in becoming these online personalities. As we explore the positive aspects of the cyber world, we also are confronted with its dark underbelly. The anonymous nature of social media can really lead to criticism, bullying, and defamation with devastating effects on the individuals and their loved ones. In this candid conversation, Adam and Isaac share their personal and traumatic encounters with social media and also share how they've coped. This episode delves into a different aspect than our usual straight-to-the-source content, but we believe it's essential to address this crucial topic. Please note that this episode does contain references to suicide, which may be distressing to some listeners. If you need resource or support, please visit beyondblue.org.au for 24-7 free counseling in Australia or Lifeline, where support is available at 131114. Links to these organizations can be found in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. This isn't, I guess, a typical straight-to-the-source podcast. We've titled it Food Views and Big Ideas for for a reason. I'd like to talk to you first, Isaac. You've built your brand and your business through social media. So let's talk about that and unpack what that looks like. Okay. Good morning, Tanya. How are you doing? Uh, So I I was – when I started on social media, I was just a cook or a chef sharing stuff that I was doing. And I was kind of – right place, right time for an opportunistic, you know, chance where it was where the app was, you know, in its escalation phase, it was growing really quickly, users were doubling and stuff. And so they were pushing people that were putting content on the platform, i.e. me. And so I was fortunate where like whatever the content it was I was putting out was getting received well by people. And I kind of hit that slipstream where I went from, regular people just sharing family photos on a platform, which is what it was designed for, to someone that other people genuinely cared to see what I was posting on the platform, i.e. an influencer, right? So are you talking about Facebook or Sorry, Instagram? Sorry, this is Instagram. Okay. Instagram, yeah. And at the time, the the whole landscape was very green. You know, Facebook didn't have influencers per se. They were just celebrities, your TV stars, your radio stars. That was about it. Even reality TV, although it was on screens, These people, that's why it was five seconds of fame. Like you were on your season of whatever it was, Big Brother or Australian Idol. And realistically, the minute filming stopped, you went back to anonymity. Now, when they're on those seasons, it catapults them into this social media 
you know, hierarchy where they can build on it and create brands and businesses and whatnot. But back to my story, I kind of saw it. And like most behavioral things, you know, if you do something, get a good response, you double down. It's the animal nature of humans. And so I, you know, kept pushing harder and harder and, and creating more content and different content and trying to be unique and original. And again, I was just fortunate in the sense that like what I kept trying kept working. And so I got picked up by, you know, huge American platforms, huge British platforms, these sorts of Lad Bible and Nine Gag and Insider. And and so that kind of flung me into another new stratosphere where it wasn't just this niche foodie culture that might have been in my city or my suburb that recognized me, but internationally people were starting to hear my name, see my content. And so with that then comes, I wouldn't say responsibility, but, you know, opportunity again to diversify. So at this point, I'm paying for all my food. I'm just creating content. And then all of a sudden, people start inviting you to promote their business or they start approaching you. Oh, like, do you do that sort of thing? How can we make it work? And again, in the beginning, I was just flattered. Like, this is a guy who spent hundreds of dollars on food and now all of a sudden they're offering it to me. I'm like, this is amazing. But everything kind of comes down to, I guess, perspective and and. So eventually, at some point, you know, years down the track, you go, well, I'm doing this and it's taking up so much of my time. Like now my actual paying job is suffering. All right. Well, the only way I can justify doing it now is if it becomes an income stream. So you start charging and then you start charging. You may start making money. You go, oh, man, now I'm starting to make some, you know, it's not just pocket money. I've got to get an ABN. So you register a business name. And then all of a sudden, you've got a bona fide business from something that was almost a hobby or, or something that you started years ago as, as fun and just it worked. And so once you've got the ABN and you're operating as a business, you then have to start talking to yourself like, all right, well, what's what do I enjoy more? The side hustle that's starting to make money or the job that you know is secure or that I trained in? Or How would you define your services once you've established a uh, real business? Um, the, it's very broad, very vague. Like I'm not a traditional photographer, right? I, I don't use DLSR cameras. I'm, I'm not a Photoshop editor type content creator. So I, I don't like referring to myself as a photographer or a videographer. I'm a content creator. I can cre- create social media content. In the, in the beginning, I used to hate getting called an influencer or a reviewer because, you know, I'm not a journalist. I don't have credentials in, in – um, I guess, like, who am I to judge? I used to love referring to myself as a promoter because if what am I doing on social media? I'm promoting stuff. I'm endorsing stuff. Uh, If that happens to influence you, great. If you disagree with what I say, that's your opinion. You know, it's not live or die by what I say. I'm simply promoting a product. I'm promoting what I've eaten. I'm promoting where I'm going, those sorts of things. And it also broke down – the issue where people were like, oh, like you're getting paid to say good things uh, in terms of reviews. Like I, I really, really hate giving uh, numerical scores, right, a 7 out of 10, 3 stars, whatever, because it's so independent to everyone. Like to give something 5 out of 5 stars or, or a 100 out of 100 means it's perfect. Like for humans, nothing is perfect for me. That is my opinion. And so I don't like giving scores because then you end up, end up with this cluster of like just lots and lots of 7 to 7.5s, which is average, right? So I never gave scores, but I'll be honest. And, and I give feedback in a way where I'll be like, 
I either just leave out what I didn't like or, you know, feedback sandwich. You go, I loved this. This wasn't great, but I would come back for that. And that way you give this, you know, honest review that is glossier than it could be because I'm not trying to necessarily hurt a business, but you got to be honest for transparency. And that's what social media, you do have this ability and power to influence. A hundred percent. And you can say whatever you want, push a button, put your phone in your pocket and walk away. Yeah, yeah. And the repercussions of that can be quite great. Can I go to you, Adam? How, from a social media perspective, how, what role does that play in your career? Because you're still a chef. Yeah, so um, I'm very different to Isaac, probably a little bit older than you, mate. So um, uh, I was probably one of the early adopters. I used MySpace and blogs in the original day for a marketing tool uh, because they had businesses back then. It was a very different space. It was very new. Reviews were, were not heard of online. You had your traditional reviewers in the papers. And um, I used it as a marketing tool. And then when I become a corporate chef with big food companies – I transitioned and I moved from MySpace and all the fun things to things like Twitter, which was one of the the earlier pages. So I was later to Instagram and TikTok. But what I did was was look at trends and insights that I could bring from around the world to a global platform with these big corporate food companies. And that's probably where I really started and really honed in. It wasn't really to be an influence, influencers weren't around at that time. And then when you started getting the Solomon Leongs and all those sort of guys in the early days of blogs and, and some of the guys are still around foodie, she's now on TikTok, you know, it's quite interesting to see the original guys and now see people like Isaac who have come through and changed their business model. <clears throat> what I find is I also used it very differently as in, yes, I'm using trends and insights, but I'm also trying to understand what the consumer was going through. So that's where I started following all these different uh, people of you know, different talks, different backgrounds, and understanding from a business and a marketing marketing tool what, like most businesses are trying to do, how do I start my Facebook account? How do I you know, start Instagram? How do I get out there and really show my business off? That's where I really adapted and used that tool to also become a very powerful tool for big corporate companies to develop and innovate a lot of food ideas from around the world. And because the world was so small now, you could actually reach out to chefs and talk to them directly. You could also reach out to people that created a trend. And, you know, we've seen over time, you know, people like when I've been tracking trends most of my career in, in big corporate environments, you know, Dominic Ansel, when he first did um, Cronut. the Cronut, Cronut. you know, in, and you could actually track how fast a trend could happen. You know, here in Australia, we're always the back pedigree of trends, but with social media, you could actually track how fast it happened. And the Cronut, you know, Adriana Zumbo had one in Australia within you know, a matter of three weeks and everyone had that, that trend insight. And social media plays a very big port, uh, not only from a marketing tool, but also keeping up with trends, understanding what's happening, and that's where it is. So my whole profile was built around understanding what was in the market and following the people I was interested in. Now, as I'm getting older, um, I keep my family out of social media. It's something that I've really had a strong view on. I don't want my family to be in that space. Uh, if they want to later on, uh, that's fine. And I've also used the platforms, including Instagram and TikTok now, more as a, you know, 
just my thoughts, my ideas, what's coming out, not just as a chef. I've been on a massive weight loss journey, you know, losing 60 kilos in, what, uh, eight months now. And that's something that where I'm also opening up about that and talking about who I am, not as just a chef, Adam, but who I am as a person. Congratulations, mate, by the way. Thank you, mate. Thank you. So you talk about opening up personally and doing that, sharing that journey through social media. Well, that can leave you quite vulnerable, can't it? So with regards to interactions and, and everyone has their viewpoint and their opinion, what, what's your thoughts on that, Isaac? Um, 100%. I think the – and this is, you know, actors, actresses, media personalities, influencers, social media, the, the strongest people are those that are often the most vulnerable because they let their walls down. They, they let people into their lives. They share themselves wholeheartedly. If you go through life with your walls up, you tend to be a closed-off person, very you know, prickly, not easy to connect with. And, and, and social media is just that. It's social, right? Like it is a connection between people. So you have to be willing to let yourself be vulnerable if you want to connect with people, I think. And you're right. Uh, it makes you a target. So if you're representing other brands, Mm -hmm. Isaac, and Adam, you're representing yourself. You're not necessarily Mm -hmm. representing the companies you work for on social media. Those are two very different different things. How do you, Isaac, keep the authenticity for the brands that you're working for funneled through their channels? Good question. It's it's one of those things where you know you've you've got to be able to get a good idea of what what their brand is, Mm -hmm. what their ethos, what their values are. And I try really hard not to align with brands or businesses or products that aren't similar in alignment to mine. So by working with them, it's quite a natural, you know, it's not that big different from mine. I, mm-hmm. I don't have, uh, you know, overly controversial opinions and I'm not, I try not to be sort of too far outside the the norm. And mm-hmm. I think most businesses are similar. Mm-hmm. If If I force myself to try and speak in a different tone or, or act a different way for a product or a business, then it's doing them a disservice and myself, I find. What tip would you give listeners with regards to managing their own personal brand on social media? Do you want to go first? Or yeah. Um, so with a personal brand, it's a little bit different because you're not there to sell any. You're not, not selling. You're not doing anything. So when I promote a farmer or a producer – it's because I've loved it. It's something I've enjoyed. It's my opinion. So I'm normally often representing big brands and it's not their opinion. So I do put a disclaimer. This is my opinion. Everything I do is because I loved it. I put it out. It's my personal uh, feeling. I've paid for it. I don't get paid to endorse things. When I endorse a product, it's because I've used it and I went, oh, this is fascinating. And from a trends and insights point of view, oh, wow, black garlic, it's amazing. Frank Faulkner, <laughs> you know, you're amazing. And I talk about black garlic before, but it's, you know, that becomes part of our ethos. It becomes a part of our brand. And people go, oh, Adam, yeah, you endorsed it. So the other day I had beautiful East 33 oysters. Now, I love the oysters because it's Sydney rock and I love the history, where it comes from. And I endorse them because I like it. I personally don't eat oysters, but I, I love the farming ethos. I love that you know, it's one of the oldest oyster farmers, in, you know, and uh, a conglomerate of 75 farmers, which is fascinating. And so I want to talk about it. Or I'll talk about food history because that's where I've come from. So I give honest opinions from my side of the, the 
the, the it's whether people like that or not, it's from me. Um, sometimes when I do food history or you know research on a brand, it's my research. It's me giving you facts or figures or understanding what that is, just because we should be very proud of who we are as a country in Australia, uh, but also what we what we offer as people. So my brand is very honest. I'm real. I don't hide anything. Um, most of my videos are not edited, uh, even though I've come from a, a film production background. I've done a lot in the media space and sound and, and lighting engineering. That's another side of me. But I find that I unedit it. I just put them in together and it's really quite simple. And what you get is me pretty much being, yes, I might use some video tools to try and sharpen the image or change it, but I don't change or cut out words. Sometimes, you know, when in the early days I had ums and ahs, I edited the ums and ahs out, but you change that over time and you know that you can deliver a message really fast, but honest, integral messages that are short. That's probably the best advice. So in thinking about today's episode and, and the train ride here, and I, I kind of came up with, I think, uh, the four A's for me. Mm. So uh, authenticity, got to be true to yourself because if, if you're acting, then eventually the act, you know, the jig is up. You'll, you'll fall out of character. Accountability, if you say something, you've got to be willing to back it up. Now, that goes for good things like endorsing products. If you say something's good, you've got to be willing to, you know, mm-hmm. go through with it and, and show that it's good. Likewise, if you say something's bad, or you say the wrong thing on the internet and it has repercussions, you've got to you know, be big enough to, to take that on the chest. Adaptability, things change. And, and they're changing so fast, um, not just social media, but tech and humans and, and socially and, and the food industry. And so you've got to be able to, if you want a long career or you want to be sustainable, you've got to be able to adapt. And the fourth one is more for, I think, everyone, but also awareness. So as much for the brands, like for, for Adam or I to align our si- ourselves with a brand, the brand needs to be aware of what our character and, and authenticity is like right. before they choose us to work with us. Because, you know, heaven forbid it never happens, but, but a brand picks uh, an influencer to work with, that influencer has a checkered past, the brand's, you know, happy, go lucky, they go, oh, we love their videos, Someone makes that public. You go, oh, did you know that you know they've got a record for this, or that they were in the spotlight for that not recently? And you go, oh, I, I, I had no idea. I just you know I saw them on social media and I liked their videos. And you go, yeah, well, now their behaviour is directly linked to your business. Like it's a reflection of your business and what you stand for and your values. And that's on everyone. So those four A's are sort of what I would recommend to people to really think about. And it's interesting you say that, Isaac, because uh, when you look at celebrities or politicians, there's an expectation that you should have a clean record. And when we have a politician that hasn't had a clean record, we crucify them. But when you're somebody that's a personal brand or an influencer or someone creating a business, you're putting yourself in front. People don't know your background or your political – and, you know, we aren't journalists. And that's interesting because – we didn't have to have that pedigree. Even a police officer, you're supposed to have high moral values. This is what you do. No, no loss of license. 
But what's interesting is as a personal brand, there is none of that accountability and you do need mm. – and those four A's are fantastic, Isaac, for any brand to really listen to. And don't go out there um, to slander anyone but go out there and you know, endorse, encourage. This is what social media should be about. It should be encouragement, not discouragement. Unfortunately, Australia has one of the worst things that we've talked about at Tornier personally, the tall poppy syndrome. We don't like people standing out, you know, cut yourself down. If we're in another country, that wouldn't happen. You would encourage people. And I think part of the Australian spirit is encouraging people that are doing something, something great, people that are working in charity, people that are great sports players, even, you know, uh, cancer researchers that are out there trying to save lives. We should be endorsing them. We should be celebrating them and not taking them down. Mm. If people have a different view from, you know, what I say, that's fine. But take it in context. That's my view. And views are like taste. We can taste differently. All three of us in this room now could taste the same thing and pick up three different tastes from that profile because we're unique. Our sensory palate is completely unique to us. It's like our, our skin type, our eye color. It's unique to us. It's our DNA. Correct. And it's our personal brand. So we shouldn't be attacking that. If people have difference of opinion, different religions, different you know ideals, we shouldn't be attacking them. But what we should be doing is creating conversation around topics that are brought up. Why is that topic important to me? And if you're a restaurant or a cafe that you're trying to sell it, don't oversell your business like, oh, I need you guys to come in. Talk about some of the best things that you do, you know, what you do for the community. Uh, you just, you know, you did a, a massive launch in uh, you know, the local uh, festival or you um, help contribute money towards a charity. Talk about the positives. Talk about why people should come to you. Not that you've got the best coffee, but you know, you're about you know, your ethos or your sustainability po- policies. Do you think it's possible for businesses today to be successful and not be on social media? I'm sure there are successful businesses out there that almost have a, a I would call it a guerrilla marketing campaign where their marketing is that they're not on social media. Mm. And so that once it becomes known, because if you look up a business on social media and they're not there, you question it. And then the first thing you tend to do is look elsewhere. So maybe they're trying to drive leads to their website. Right. If, if I know they're, if I find them on social media, I don't go to the website because I've got most of the info I need on social right. media. Yep. But if they're deliberately trying to drive you to a website or a, an app or something else, then if I can't find you on social media, it might actually lead me to where you were trying to direct me to through social media anyway. So I'm not saying it would work for everyone, but there is an opportunity there that it could work, and I'm sure some businesses have done it. And there are some big businesses at the moment that are being run by boomers, unfortunately, and X generation. They're a little bit old school marketing textbook, and there are some big brands in this country that have really taken social media as the last platform. They haven't really engaged with the younger generations, especially millennials, which took people by storm like, oh, how do we engage with them? What, what are we doing? And it's quite interesting to see that there are big brands out there that don't have a social media presence or only just starting. And that's why you see they've only got like 200 followers if they're lucky because they've been big companies relying on heavy marketing budgets, traditional TV, radio ads, that sort of medium. So that's why they are successful in big companies. And they're normally global companies that 
don't really understand the consumer. So there are brands out there that do it, but there are brands that are, have become, you know, very savvy in their technical abilities of promoting on, te- uh, you know, Twitter, TikTok, you know, Facebook, uh, li- even LinkedIn, using those tools to their platform and really engaging because they understand the different mediums that they're trying to attract. So if your target audience is young people, then you should be doing TikToks and doing the fun things. If you're professional and you're, you're trying to sell something that's, you know, really important to you, then LinkedIn, get with your, your, your networks in that way. Use those to the right marketing. If you want to be outspoken, use Twitter and do that. If you want to show the visual aspects or the videos, then use things like Instagram and Facebook. They are very different mediums, different audiences, and understand where they are. When Twitter first came out, and I remember talking to actually Pepe Saya about this, I'm like, you can have an incredible business and be top of your game, but if you can't regurgitate it and put it into a social platform, you are doing yourself a disservice. So maybe you're better off not being on it versus doing it badly. I always found uh, I'm not a like Twitter is the least of the social media platforms that I use. Uh, and I so now with TikTok, I see similarities with what I had issues with with Twitter in that those two platforms, they're built on sort of speed to market, like getting something out there. And for a brand uh, or a business that might have, you know, 10 employees, it might have thousands of employees. One person is clicking that upload button. And if you haven't got the right person and your global company puts out a tweet <laughs> that should have really been thought about, even if you delete it within seconds, it's- screenshots of that are everywhere. Um, and journos are reprinting it. And, you know, you could spend the next six months and millions of dollars repairing that 140 character Mm. tweet Mm. so i think it's one of those situations where that has probably deterred a lot of businesses you know instagram and facebook you can polish it up and schedule a post and it's really quite advertorial twitter with written and tiktok now with video content is much more opinion human element personality and like we were saying with DNA and taste and, and viewpoints, you know, Adam and I might work for the same company and we're reacting to something that's very relevant and, and you know, going on in society and we go, this is great. We can jump on that trend and really ride the wave. But he might come at, at it from like A point and I'm like thinking mm. B point and we can't both put it out there. Like you can't yeah. just put out both tweets and go, oh, we'll see which one works. Like one might just flop and one might backfire and one might go like, I'm hanging my hat now. That's the tweet of the year. Like, I just won the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the difficulty for businesses in trying to deal with it. It's interesting. Your second A was accountability. And it's one thing for a business or, or personal brand um, to put information out. You you own it, like you were saying, Adam. You like a particular product or, or a producer or a region or what have you, and you and you put that out. That's your voice and your, your perspective. But accountability for the feedback you get, you may think that's amazing, and somebody will go, "What are All you thinking?" Time. So let's let's flip it on its head and talk about that, shall we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll start. Um, I've always copped a lot of negative. I put stuff out, and people don't like it. It never used to bother me. But when I started losing weight and I started talking about me losing weight, I was always a big kid, um, and you know my job didn't help that. It was something that was very personal to me. And I wanted to tell my story to 
you know people that were wanting to support or listen and and uh, you know I may not be as famous as someone like Isaac here um I am someone that is just I wear my heart on my sleeve and that uh, out there recently and Tonya and I uh, you know been friends we've spoken personally about this and it really affected me a lot I got what I call keyboard warriors people that just sit behind or faceless you know people that sit there and just tweet or you know respond back and you get some comments and you think okay that's fine I can I can take those uh, if it was business you would actually go well hang on what are you complaining about I, I still remember the first negative review I ever had in the restaurant you know we just won best restaurant um, I, I was so happy with the title and within two weeks later I got a really negative response and it was the first time on not social media, it was like more on a blog and this person put a complaint. Now, when I looked at who the person was, it was my competitor who had lost to my restaurant Mm. and they complained about the toilet cleanliness. Now, I am back in the day when when I had restaurants, I was very fastidious about cleanliness and I knew that it wasn't you know, case because we used to clean it. We had a regular cleaner on board, but the comment really hurt. And I'm like, wow, you know, but I didn't take it too personally. I just moved on from it. And we did it and then aimed for the customers that were there. More recently, as I've been more open and more vulnerable, as uh, Isaac has mentioned, I talked about my weight loss journey as a personal triumph and what I'm trying to do. And I was very proud of it. But then I got the attacks and I got some things you know, you just go, wow, you know, why are you so fat and stupid questions like that. And you're just like, okay, the first few, yeah, I can get it. And as you're getting more, it's just like, oh, this is starting to hurt a little bit. And then when I got one message just before Christmas last year, which still uh, bugs me today, and Isaac doesn't know this, but um, and most of my viewers wouldn't know, or listeners wouldn't know this, that um, someone wrote to me something quite horrific and in my background, I do a lot of mentoring and I work with a lot of vulnerable people. And uh, this person didn't realize even the night before I had worked with a young person that tried to take their life. And it, and unfortunately, um, you know, it, working with that person, it does take its toll, but that person survived. And I get a message just by a random person, uh, unfortunately, in the hospitality industry that said, why don't you – it will be better off in this world if you go and commit suicide and, t- you know, better on the resources and all that. And that moment I looked at it and I picked my phone up and I threw it across the room. And I was so angry and so upset. You you don't know my life. Don't judge me by the cover that you see. Don't judge me by something I've written. But you've written something personal to me. And I was like, what – what sort of idiot does this? And, and I was so angry and so upset. And I picked up my phone and I'm like, right, I'm going to call someone. So I did call uh, one of the many charities out there and I spoke to someone immediately. Uh, I was so upset, so worked up. And what do you do with something like that? You don't tell someone to go and commit suicide. Now, I'm an adult. Imagine a young kid going through trauma at school and someone says, go kill yourself. And we've had, unfortunately, examples in the media where that has happened and bullying and and I'm an adult and I'm trying to deal with it. Imagine someone that doesn't have the coping skills to deal with that. This is where we need to take a stand on people like this. Why are they saying it? And when I got the counselling and spoke to someone, 
they the first thing they said, Adam, delete it. Do not give them any noise. Do not do not screenshot it. Do not you know put it out there. And I that's what I felt like. That's what, I was so angry. But if I didn't take that step back, if I didn't calm down, I would have done that, and it would have been detrimental to not only me but everyone else would have seen it, and it would have been quite uh, you know distressing for someone that is in a vulnerable position. So I deleted it. I took stead. It took me a couple of days to really kind of recover from that. Yes, it still jobs me now. It still gets to me a little bit. So you didn't engage at all? Didn't engage at all. And that's probably a very different approach. Some people want to, rep- all right, back, I'm going to respond. Mm-hmm. Some of these people are just wanting the thrill of engaging with that. And Isaac, you, know, you can talk about this too. Cause- oh, mate, like I'm, I nearly got a tear in my eye because I'm just sorry to hear that you had to go through that sort of um, BS. Um, but yeah, like similarly, um, and, and I, it's no, no like shock that mental health stats are just going through the roof in terms of mental health and, and the amount of good people we're losing to it. Um, and whether doctors put it down to that or, you know, they technically write on a piece of paper that it's a, another way that they've passed away, but I think mental health has led to it. Um, I always think of, of negativity on the internet as like a drop of water on a sheet of paper. One drop of water just runs off the paper. But if you keep slowly dropping water on the same spot of a piece of paper, it wears through. And it spreads, and that that sort of watermark gets bigger and bigger. Eventually, the whole piece of paper is frail because it's absorbed that water. And that's that's mental health and the internet, right? Like one negative thing, oh, uh, what's you've got a stupid mullet, you idiot, rolls off the paper. What I don't care, man. Physical and again, like I'm different. We're all different. We respond differently. I've grown up similarly. You know, I was a chubby kid. Used to get told by my parents, you know, big boned. Love that one. Um, But, you know, it also shows that a great household. Like I was well fed and my parents looked after me really well. But I grew up country town and so I I was the school teacher's kid. And so you you learn like sticks and stones. Make make fun of my appearance. I really don't care. Like it's – but with the vulnerability on the internet, my my personal story, uh, I got attacked and like Adam, I got really angry. Really, really angry. But it was largely an attack at me. And largely, uh, you know, false. It, it wasn't anything, you know, like where I really took offense to it. And then this person attacked my wife who I, I share online because I love my wife and I'm proud of my wife and she's a strong woman and I share her with the world and I let them into my life. And this person attacked my wife. And at that point I went to the police and I said, this, is, like, this isn't on, like this isn't cool. I've come to you for help, like protect us. The police essentially said, oh, what's, what's happened? I explained it was via social media. Ooh. And they, they pretty much said to me, we don't really care. In, in fewer words, we can't do anything about it. Uh, have you asked them to stop? Like this is the police. And so I went away and I was even angrier because I go, I have done the right thing. I didn't, re- I didn't retaliate online. I didn't share it. To this day, I have not re-engaged online. Can I ask you this? If somebody came up to you and um, said something like abused you oh, no, so or your wife in person, yeah. that would be a different that, assault. Yeah, the police have one question, to do that. Yeah. They, can, they can control that because it's physical that happened. The one question they said, 
have they threatened violence against you? And they hadn't threatened violence. Oh, hands off. We're not, we can't do anything. Okay. There isn't, there isn't the controls right now in our society. Social media is, you know, what it's been a like 18 year history, really. Um, and there hasn't been the laws that have caught up. And governments are only still struggling now to do that. And it's really hard because none of the, the agencies can help you. Um, they can't even track it. And sometimes you can't track some of these people that are writing, which is disturbing. Okay. So I went home from the police station. I went, this isn't good enough. Like it, Someone has to be able to help. So I, I'm Googling. There's an e-cyber report. So you can report cybercrime online. I go, brilliant. This is exactly what I need. I've got the screenshots. I've got the screen recordings. I submit it online. They go, well, you know, thanks for your inquiry. We'll look into it. We'll let you know in a couple of days. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I get the email. We've looked into it. You're right. It needs to be investigated. We've forwarded your issue to your local police station. The same police station that told me to go away, there was no issue. The next step was, and Adam's right, we, we actually reached out to eSafety, the eSafety commissioner. We go, there's an entire commission. They've got to be able to do something, right? Like, it's there. Originally, they didn't do much. Uh, as the issue progressed and, and it sort of became more well-known and more prominent and more serious because it actually, believe it or not, got worse, we came to find out that the eSafety commission actually has no power whatsoever like they are a liaison between the issue and the social media platform and i'm telling you right now as someone who makes their money off the social media platforms they will do everything in their power not to deactivate someone's account because that account is dollars and cents Correct. they are in the money business they are public trading companies and if they got rid of every troll account every account that broke community guidelines every account that was hurtful, wrong, even spam accounts, they would lose millions, if not billions, off their bottom dollar. So they will do everything in their power to look the other way. It's almost like the telecommunications industry as well, where we get these prank phone calls at 7 o'clock at night when you you don't want them and they're trying to scam you or scam texts. There is not much they can do because as soon as they shut one network down, there is another one replacing it or another 10 replacing it at the same time. So it's like social media. There is these no controls. And you know what's interesting? Governments around the world have lost this control uh, ever since internet and Wi-Fi really took place in the 90s and really lost control. We had, you know, Tonya, you and I have a similar ilk. We, you could control what went on social media. You know, now these days, you know, kids as young as 12, they're putting everything online. Your employer can look at it. It's all out there. We could control that. There's points in my life where I'm glad I'm not on social media now and I could control that. I got an application from a chef the other day and they just referenced their Instagram account. <laughs> I thought, okay, that's different. Um, so That's something you can do, mate. <laughs> what happened after that, Isaac? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate. Like there would be, I would hazard a guess, 80 to 90% of the general public, especially in the last 18 months coming out of COVID, that at that point have gotten no assistance from the police, no assistance from the online powers to be, and the attacks kept coming. Now, similarly to Adam, uh, the attacks on me, I brush off. I don't Like I said, I don't really care. Like I've been attacked in the past and I'll get attacked in the future. That's I make that decision by putting myself out on a platform. That is the lowest point in my life I've ever probably felt for absolute helplessness. 
I've got my wife in tears, broken down. My children are watching my household not crumble because we're a strong, really strong family, but they've got a dad who's angry and confused and upset because in in some way in my head, I have contributed to my wife getting attacked. And it's it's crap. Like I'm not at fault for that because my wife, for whatever reason, shouldn't ever get attacked. Full stop. Online, in public, face-to-face, unless she does something, you know, and that's on her, my actions should never, ever reflect on her or, or make her a target. And what's worse is as the, the months went on, this person also brought my kids into it, brought my, my parenting, me as a father into it. I'm just really fortunate we went through the legal system um, as a civil case and it ended up being a an Australian record for the highest amount of damages ever awarded for a defamation case because the judge could not believe that five, six months after the incident, the police had done nothing. So, Isaac, can I ask you a question? Because I knew about your story because it was in the papers, it was out there. Um, Did that damage your brand after that or did it change your brand, how you do things today? Look, it's, it's... I think a lot of people, until until you read it in the newspapers, because I shared absolutely yeah. nothing for six months, and this was this was another one of the contributing factors to to me feeling so low. We chose the day it happened not to give it any air. We like suffocated it from oxygen. But what it meant was one side were getting the story, and one side weren't. Did you feel vindicated by the outcome, though? Massively, massively, because. All of the the sort of like you second guess yourself when you make these sorts of decisions and and they don't play out quickly and it's and it's a long slow game mm-hmm. you second guess yourself mm. and and you don't have a lot of people that you can talk to because it's not a public issue so a lot of it's playing out in your head and even up until you know th- there's so many options through the process where you're almost given an out you're like oh should you stop now is it easier to stop now uh, is it really worth pursuing. And at that stage, when you've started something, like I'm, I'm a person who, if I think I'm right, I will follow it through on principle. And I had said to my wife, I kept apologizing because we were spending our family money, right? Like our income, our savings. And I just said to her, I'm like, I'm really so, – like we wanted to go to America. We wanted to take the kids on holidays. We wanted to do this sort of stuff. And I just kept saying to her, I'm really sorry. Like this is going to cost a fair bit. I need to do this because I couldn't protect her any other way. And so that that and money's money like I'll earn more money. But I needed for myself, for my own mental health, for my it sounds horrible, but you know like as the head of the household, I had to protect my family and if that's just a monetary thing, I can take all the money. I don't care because we got the outcome that we needed to protect my family. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting because you know, mine, I didn't tell anyone, but I retreated. I retreated my from my family. And like I've said, I've made my personal brand very separate from my family because I've got a daughter that 
you know, needs to have a choice in her life. She's still young and I don't want her to be a part of some of the madness that I've had. And I saw it in the earlier days when I did get some personal jibes and like, oh, this is whatever. I didn't want that in there. And, uh, you know, Tonya, you know, even you've gone to post a photo of my daughter and you, you ask permission as long as my permission. name's not there, yeah. you know, um, because I don't want my family and I feel the same as you. And the moment that someone put that personal comment, I almost wanted to give up cooking after 30 years. I almost walked away from the thing I loved from one comment. And I also withdrew from my family and I wasn't giving my my family the best part of who I was. And it was one comment. If I reacted, it probably would have dragged my family into it worse. And, you know, a lot of people didn't know at the time what was happening. So I kind of retreated from a lot of people. I'm a very bubbly personality, love life, and I retreated in myself. And it was in that time I'm like, you know what? I'm going to forage forward. I'm still going to do my weight loss. If you don't like it, it's tough luck. It's my story. I'm not worried about it. I'll still do it. And I've done. I've probably changed a lot of my messaging now too, how I do it. Uh, and I don't think people realized there was a problem before. And people now coming out and supporting, which has been amazing. Uh, but I wasn't doing it for sympathy. I wasn't trying to get you know kudos. I'm just saying, hey, there are problems out there. We need to fix it. I work in a space where I don't obviously advertise it. I don't talk about my charity and I don't talk about my mentoring. It's very personal to me because we we talked about that in a, a podcast recently, Tonya. It's something that was personal to me. But now I'm talking about it. I'm opening that vulnerability up. I'm expressing it, you know, and – the Cure Cancer that I work for, when I post, it's about trying to raise money and awareness around the cause. When I'm working with Are You OK or Top Blokes Foundation, it's a raising awareness around mental health. It's not about me anymore. It's about raising the cause. And if anyone wants to go and attack that, then, you know, first of all, you you're, you shouldn't be on social media. You need a life and you need to go on. But that's my personal life. Yeah, if you want to attack it, go ahead. Attack me personally. I can take it now. And I've got this, the tools. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have those tools. Did you reach out to an organization, Isaac, when you were going through this? Look, I'm uh, similarly to, to Adam, like I'm notoriously not good at talking about my emotions, talking about my fears, my insecurities, these sorts of things. I, you know, my, my dad passed away when I was young and I went through a lot of uh, aggression issues and I went through counseling then. And I'm not going to say that I'm stubborn, but, you know, I think if you could track that counsellor down now, she would tell you as a seven, eight-year-old, I was pretty closed off when it came to, to really expressing myself. I found I think the hardest thing was because my wife was a victim and she was so upset, I didn't feel like I could talk to her because she had enough on her plate that she didn't need my issues. And And I think that's what was probably the hardest thing like your your life partner your boyfriend girlfriend uh, whatever your significant other is your best friend like they are the person that is going to know you at the rawest lowest highest best everything and I, at that stage of helplessness I, I felt the only way I could protect her was by not you know burdening her with with the shit going on in in my head so I, I didn't reach out to anyone I, I had a few close friends, like confidants that I had spoken to about the issue I went to when I needed advice or, or clarity or to vent. The, the biggest issue, venting, because 
you know, when something little is in your head and it, and it niggles and manifests, yep. very, very quickly it can go from that little niggle to a rash decision. And a rash decision might be, oh, I'm going to have a second drink at the bar today. It might be when you're driving a car, you know, a swerve into it. And this, please, like don't take – but it can be something with really major repercussions. And that's the dangerous thing with anything mental. Like it, it can go from zero to 100 really quick. Do you have closure now? Nah, I, I still don't have closure. And I, it's not that I'm against forgiveness and, and second chances. And I think everyone makes mistakes. My biggest issue, and, and it's what the the thing that I want to discuss the most in the future with anyone, the person found guilty, New South Wales courts, still to this day hasn't admitted fault, hasn't apologized, doesn't really, I think, understand that what they've done or what they do is wrong. And to me, that says more than a lot of other things. Like, and, and that's why I say accountability is huge. Like, if you say something wrong, it can get fixed really quickly. And this is a, a segue, but a story hospital related. Like, a friend was telling me just yesterday, a business had posted, it was Mother's Day morning, they posted someone on their social media that they were going to open at 7 a.m. Whole group of people are at the door at 7 a.m., the front door is painted with opening hours, 7 a.m. It's still shut. And the manager's kind of inside and they're tapping on the window and the manager comes over, oh, sorry, we open at 7.30. And they go, yeah, but someone in your team posted you're open at 7 today. It says on the door, seven, oh, no, we're opening from 7 tomorrow on Monday. And so the manager was kind of staunch, like, well, we're not opening till 7.30. There's a group of people at the front door that are under the impression you're open at 7. The manager wasn't going to open. The owner of the venue walks past on the floor and, and someone at the front door gets their attention and goes, oh, like, were you aware that you've advertised that you're open at seven? The owner goes, looks around the room quickly. All right, team, we're ready. They open the door. So the owner was accountable for someone else's mistake, but it's their business. The owner did the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> they were accountable. Like mistakes happen and you can rectify yeah. a mistake yeah. and you can, you know, sometimes you can't reverse or, or fix it, but you can compensate. And I think, in any way, you can say the wrong thing on the internet, like I said in the beginning, but you have to be accountable or you might have a different opinion, but you have to be able to accept someone else's opinion or follow through on what you say, accept the consequences of what you might say. It's interesting you say that because big companies or big department stores, when they put a catalogue out, they put the wrong price or the wrong photo, they have to put a disclaimer in the papers to publicly say, we stuffed up, but if you walk or in that store- they have to honour that price. Yeah, or they have to honour the price. And we walked in, and that's why there's policies in uh, big stores and, and supermarkets about you know keeping that integral part of the, the communication. Why can't we do the same for social media? Now, the interesting thing is hospitality, we've talked about this for years. Um, you know, if, if people don't like it, we give it to them for free. You go into a bank and if you don't like the bank fees, it, you still got to pay the bank fees. Yeah. So it's just understanding what that is. And it's your business. It's if you're running a business day to day and, you know, if you didn't open, those customers would have walked away or, you know, been disgruntled. No, they would have been on social media yeah. backing yeah. them out going, hang on. Correct. <laughs> False advertising. Just understand what your business is. Yeah. Sometimes, and one of the best things that we can do is with the tools, and Isaac and I both spoke about it, we both were attacked in different ways, in different in different circumstances, but the, the attack still has the same feelings. Mm. So sometimes if you're in the day-to-day -day and you're doing the coffee and you're, you're talking to your customers and someone's done something 
to your business, it's going to hurt straight away mm-hmm. because it's your livelihood, it's your family, it's it's everything that you're doing and it's your identity. So you want to defend it. Take steed. Just take a breath, walk away, understand what it is, ring a service like Lifeline or Beyond Blue and really take stock of what it is. Is it so important that you want to take it knowing that it's probably not going to get followed through by the 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 police or anything like that what what is it so important to you is it going to hurt you are you, if you go on the attack are your customers going to see that and go oh maybe we shouldn't buy coffee from there in the morning cuz they're aggressive and there has been public staunches in in the past where businesses have engaged in that community uh fight essentially and then people start taking sides if you back out don't say anything or don't give steed to it. You're actually going to be off better and your mental health is going to be healthier by doing that. From a hospitality perspective, this is a much bigger conversation. Yeah, uh, if, you're, if you've got a product, a brand, do everything you can to protect it. Do what you, uh, do what you can to show that you love. And even if they don't accept you know, your, a letter of apology or whatever, you know, the product, giving them a new product to replace that, it's you can't control them. You can't control – you can only control your emotions. You can control your environment. You can't control what they're thinking, what they say. You can do everything you can to stop what you can, but you can't control them. But do you find that it's a, it's a real balance? You can't live your life through your phone, right? You can't live your life that way. You've got to have that balance. Do you think some businesses and, and actually chefs have – kind of lost their way in that space or? As in they're living online yeah. too much? Yeah. I think uh, it comes back to a little bit of the authentic too. Like I think some people almost live a double life and perhaps they enjoy their persona on social media more than their real life. I always think about, you know, often the bullies are the ones that are unhappy with themselves and they're projecting a lot of their own issues. And I think the beauty to an extent of social media is it's almost like a fresh start. Like you can almost recreate yourself in a different image to who you actually are. Mm-hmm. And for some people, and that's amazing. And for a business opportunities, that, that's amazing. Like there are some people that you see on social media and you could walk past in the street and you would never know they're the same person because they've created this enigma, this personality. But when you also use it in a negative way where you can make yourself almost this supervillain or just this disgusting form of, of a communicator who – through anonymity, largely, feels like they can say whatever they want, whenever they want, to whoever they want, and not have to be accountable and not have to fear consequence or persecution because they're not identified by their account. And and I remember earlier on this year, one of the the NRL players was receiving death threats because they'd had a bad game. I don't know him. And I'm fortunate, you know, I have a platform and his issue was made very public. I reached out to him and just said, like, made sure there was an arm around him and let him know that I've gone through similar things. But I remember the NRL coming down saying, like, those players, when they're found, will get life bans. And and those sorts of, like, you know, strong punishments. Yeah, Yeah. Now, that's not criminal. It doesn't necessarily protect the player. But if you're Adam or I, like, I remember one of the first things I got told was, like, oh, can, can you just stop being on social media? When you become a target. And it's like, uh, no, that's <laughs> kind of what I do. Like, I'm on social media, hence why I'm getting targeted. So it's sometimes, yeah, you 
you struggle to know what to do and and the obvious options, you know, like go off social media or, or talk to someone, don't uh, – you know, it's not the same option for everyone. Mm-hmm. I love that you've you also jumped back on the horse. Yeah, you do your pineapple reviews and all those that, those that don't watch TikTok. Um, but what I love is that you've always done that and, you know, sometimes – me as a personal brand, I've actually stopped for a couple of days and then people go, well, what, what happened? And I start asking more questions. So it's probably better to, to keep posting and keeping the positivity up. Uh, don't use social media as a negative platform. Use it as an engagement tool. Use it as a marketing tool or use it as a networking tool. You know, where in the world can you now reach out to your favorite celebrity instantaneously or have your celebrity follow you? It, it can happen now. We've made the world smaller. But we need to communicate and and talk about it. And if you are having these, you know, attacks, or you know, if you're a young person that's also getting these jobs and you don't talk about it, you need to talk to friends, family, anyone that's close, so that they can also understand what's going on and work mm. with you and work on solutions to move forward. Well, on that note, it, for the listeners at home, you can hop on to Isaac Eats A Lot on Instagram and Chef Adam Moore on Instagram, and then you can find all their other channels. But in our show notes, we will have them all listed as well. And I think this, um, the, you know, to be continued in this space, but well done for both of you for navigating it the way that you have. And um, yeah, we're very happy to have you in, in our straight to the source world. And absolutely very proud of everything you guys do. So thank you. Thank you so much, Tony. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We really hope you enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed the conversation. You'll find links to anything mentioned in today's chat in the show notes. We have some more extraordinary guests lined up and we would love you to join us again. So please make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss future episodes. We'd also love to hear any of your feedback, good or bad, or perhaps you've got a guest you'd love to hear from. You can let us know. And the best way to stay up to date with what we're doing, who we're talking to, and where you'll find us around the country is to become part of the Straight to the Source community at straighttothesource.com.au forward slash community. Until next time.